Hello there guys and welcome back to another episode of the Undercard podcast. Uh, I'm here today with my fellow host Rakim. How are you doing mate, you alright? It's going on bro, yeah I'm, I'm chilling bro, how are you? Yeah, all good thank you, good to be back for another episode and uh, As always. another week of another week of fights and uh, one on the horizon as well which, uh, which we'll look to break down in the episode today. Uh, but we'll we'll start off. We'll get straight into it. Um, we've just come through UFC Fight Night, uh, Watterson versus Rodriguez, and we'll start with the ladies first. Um, the five round fight of the night. And what did you make of it? Did you did you enjoy the fight? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a right fight. I thought it was decent. Um, I I I kind of guess they'll go to a decision uh, I think in my predictions I had it um, Michelle Watson decision um, but I think like no offence obviously as you go lower down the divisions the sort of the knockout power in the hands obviously diminishes um, so I, I didn't think that there would be a knockout in this particular fight personally and obviously there wasn't but taking even though it was a decision that doesn't mean it was a bad you know it was a bad fight or anything like that so that's not what I'm trying to say anyway. But um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a good fight. Like I think that Rodriguez has kind of cemented, um, or like not cemented, but she's thrown a hat into the ring. Is like, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm flowing around these divisions. Obviously, both of these fighters are unnaturally straw weights, but um, obviously they're fighting in the flyweight division last night, or well, yeah, last night time of recording. But yeah, I think that I think that Rodriguez. Well, I think that she 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 will be interesting someone to keep your eye on in the strawweight division. Um, but yeah, what about you? What did you think of the fight? Yeah, it was um, it was a good fight. It was it was a good five rounds. Both both the ladies uh, traded off, didn't they, quite well? You know, during during a lot of the rounds, and a lot of it was on the feet. Uh, which was which was good to see. Um, Rodriguez is sixth in the division currently, um, and she's yet to really fight many of the big names in the division. Uh, she's yeah. obviously not had a shot, up, not had a shot up against you know the likes of Rose um, and Zhang as well, who obviously we spoke about over the last couple of weeks now, and. You know, it was a good opportunity for her to cement her position in the division. She's only lost. She's only lost once, um, and that was to Carla Esperanza, who she lost to on a split decision, I believe, um, in one of her last couple of couple of fights. So, you know, she's put herself in a really good spot to kind of have a go now at, at one of the top few in the division, uh, moving down the line. So. I think I think Rodriguez looked the better fighter through the five rounds. I think I scored one of the rounds to uh, Michelle Watterson. There yeah. was one that there was one that was close as well in there, but uh, I did I did score it Rodriguez's way. Um, yeah, and, and over the five rounds, you know, for for her first five round fight as well, I think she she looked very good. She looked very controlled. Yeah, I think also as well we can't forget that. Uh... 
it was a pretty you know it was a fight that was built on pretty short notice for for both fighters as well so you kind of got to take that into take that into consideration as well for obviously for, for both of them really there's no there's no real advantage to either of them um but yeah i think the rodriguez she looked she looked she looked sharp over the five rounds um you know she was furious fast um good with her hands um with the striking combinations and whatnot so i think i think for it was, it was a good display all around for rodriguez and like look i'm here in a division um because obviously i think i think we meant i think we mentioned off air about the rankings for the strawweight division obviously with um i think andrade's first and chukagan's second who's i think chukagan's final final on the um, upcoming card as well so it does kind of throw a bit of excitement into the division you know where what's happening here and there so yeah i think it'll be good yeah um i think just just a note really on on Watson. she's positioned herself now where she's three losses from her last four fights uh all against top level opposition um you know one of them being being joanna as well i think in there so you know she's not done herself any disservice in in losing these fights but um i think she's kind of had her day at, at the top now yeah um and marina's kind of moved in now as, as that next challenger uh for those for those top five positions anyway and we'll see where she goes from there yeah to, like to, to, to be fair to watson she did I think I think later on in the round she did kind of um, manage some sort of comeback as such, but it, but it, it was it, it it was a bit too little too late overall. Um, but yeah, I can't we can't we can't forget Watson. Watson is she is a former Invicta champion, so she you know she she has got pedigree and 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 she is a good fighter. But I think I think now we we are sort of transitioning. And you know we're getting these, we're getting the younger female fighters coming through now, becoming a bit more dominant, um, especially especially in the form of Zhang Weili. We've got obviously Rose, got Marina Rodriguez now. So I think it is exciting. It is exciting overall for women's MMA, and it is exciting definitely for the flyweight, for the floor, for the flyweight, for the strawweight division as well. Um, and we're just going to see what happens going forwards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That there was another decision a few a few fights down, wasn't there? That um, that was a good fight as well, and we thought we'd cover these two off together, being being both very well thought out decisions. Uh, you had Neil Magne against Jeff Neal, um, which which Magne come away with the victory uh, with the unanimous decision. What what did you make of that? Would you? <clears throat> Yeah, I thought I thought with this fight that personally I I had it for Jeff Neal. I think I had a Jeff Neal second round knockout. Um, obviously, Hander Steele is his nickname. Guy's got incredible knockout power, incredible. But I I thought they was gonna go his way again. Then he was gonna get the second round knockout. But I think Neil Magny kind of just showed his um, experience in the octagon and his fight IQ in the sense of. You know you're coming up against you're coming up against Jeff Neal, um, someone that is clearly got less strength and less power against. So you're already at a disadvantage in that aspect. So you've kind of got to, I guess, 
you, you know what's coming and you know what to expect. You've just kind of got to use that to your advantage and wait for them to make the mistake, which I thought that Magni did, um, and kind of you know sit back and sort of picked picked Jeff Neal off at a time and ultimately got 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 a decision win and I think it was I think it was a unanimous decision as well. So yeah, Mag- Magni was. Um... As you say, the experience showed, didn't it? And he's obviously had more fights in in the UFC. Um, he's got he had a big height and reach advantage, which I think really played into his hands in the second and third round. Once once he kind of sh- slowed Jeff Neal down a bit after that first round, yeah, um, it was quite it was quite close and quite um, quite back and forward the first round. And I I don't think Magne looked overly comfortable. Um, I think he had a cut, didn't he, as well? Um, so you know that wouldn't that wouldn't have helped matters by, yeah, by any sure. means. But I thought I thought it was fought a really good pace actually, and this was the fight that I thought that that would be the standout one on the card. Um, I'm with you. I thought I thought Neil would win it, so I was quite surprised. Uh, Jeff Neil, that is. Uh, so I was quite surprised really that Magne come away with the victory. But actually looking back on it, it's it's not overly surprising based on his UFC pedigree and the fact that he's for, you know, some bigger names as well. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, looking looking at Leon Magny's kind of, you know, his last five fights, he's four, he's four and one now in his last five fights and they've all been decisions. Or every, every single fight has been a decision. Either the four wins have all been unanimous decisions and the loss was even the unanimous decision loss on Fight Island at the beginning of the year against Michael Chiesa. So, um, I think, yeah, Magny's just kind of, you know, with, with his camp, you know, they, they've obviously discussed and sat down and said, look, this is this is what you're going to be expecting. Jeff Neal coming out sort of, you know, a bit aggressive, looking looking for the fight to stay on his feet to unleash his hands. And Magny did exactly what he needed to do. And I was just pick him off, you know, accurately time his takedowns. Um, and and ultimately he got the win. And I think that's I think that's a happy day all round. Yeah, I agree. And, and as we said there, you know, a, a good performance from both guys. And I don't think it'll um, don't think it'll knock the confidence too much of Jeff Neal to to lose to someone of the caliber of Neil Magno either. Um, they'll both be back in there relatively soon I would have thought and yeah. it won't have, won't have too much of a too much of a hindrance on either of their positions in the division the ninth and tenth I think um, respectively there so so we'll see where they take that from there did you um, you said that you enjoyed the uh, Lima and Maurice Green fight at heavyweight didn't you yeah I, th- I thought I, I- I thought that this was going to be a bit more exciting than it was. Um, on paper, on paper, you know, you've got a heavy, you've got a, a heavyweight fight, um, which one heavyweight fights out of Jackson Wink MMA, which is you know Holly Holm, Michelle Waterson, John Jones. Um, so you know they've got they've they've got killers and they've got dogs and that dogs there. Um, and I just thought that I thought this fight was going to be. A slugfest, personally, um, and kind of it's, it's kind of disappointing um, to not be a slugfest, personally, because um, both 
in the first round both fighters were fu- both fighters were throwing bombs and like I'll give, I'll give them the credit for that they were both banging it out but then like Lee or Delima kind of just sat on Maurice Green for the rest of the first round when he got him down down on the mat and it's kind of just like oh well I think this is just kind of where the fight's going and then rest after that it's just it was just kind of um, Delima's experience in journeymanship, if that's a word, um, showing and being sort of prevalent. Um, Murray's Green did kind of look a bit lost on his back, and you know there was there was times where he could have, um, you know, shrimped his way out of um, Delima being on top of him, or you know if he put his put his arm or his head in a certain position he might have been able to get off him off him or away from him but he just didn't he just kind of I don't know it was a bit it was a bit flat and the fight was a bit stale but I think they're both both older aren't they as well so you, like you say they threw bombs in the first round and they were both thrown with absolute pure power there was a, there was a lot behind each punch and you almost wonder if they uh just drained out almost through the, through the second and third, and like you say with Lima, Lima kind of getting on top of him through through the second. I can only imagine that would have worn them down even more. So, um, yeah. so by the by the time the third round comes across, uh, you know Lima was probably happy to get to get back in uh, back in control, you know, on the ground, and uh, Murray Screen probably just thought, well, I'll just ride this out for five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so uh it's you know it's, it's one of them isn't it with with the heavyweight division if if you don't get that power knockout you've got two guys in there who are um more often than not not <laughs> haven't got the stamina to see out the 15 you know going going that in like a slugfest for 15 minutes so you're always going to see uh, a situation like this potentially yeah, and one one thing to know as well was with Delima, he's been a pro, he's been a pro since 2009. So like we're talking what 12 years now, um, or not? Yeah, 12 years. My math's shocking, but um, you know he's fought he's fought with Stefan Struis for over in Saint Prue, whereas Maurice Green, yeah, you know he hasn't, yeah he hasn't, well he certainly hasn't been around um, a pro fighter since 2009. And I think that 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 showed in the fight. Um, and that's 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 something that's only going to come as you as, as you fight more and more fights and you step into the octagon with you know different types of fighting styles, um, and and that's that's that'll just come naturally. But I think that it did kind of not meet expectations as such. But um, I think both fighters are unranked as well, so it doesn't really. Don't think it does really. I don't think it does much for the rankings as such. Um, it's just kind of just there. Yeah. Well, this well this card in itself wasn't it was pieced together. Uh, some of these fights very last minute were were included initially, um, but then we weren't sure. Obviously, we spoke last week about whether this fight card would even go ahead. Um, you know, and and the, and the women's fight at the top of the card obviously went ahead. On very very short notice, hence why the weight the weight was different there. Um, but there was a lot of unranked guys on this card, wasn't there? You know, you had obviously we spoke about the Neil Magne Jeff Neil. I imagine that 
that was that was the only ranked or highly ranked uh, guys on the card. And I can only imagine that they would have been put as the main event had they agreed to five rounds. But I imagine coming through camp, they'd have both trained for three rounds, you know, so they wouldn't have agreed to go in on that. And I suppose that's why getting um, Donald Cerrone, who obviously fought in the co-main, um, getting him a fight was quite important for this card to have a name that's well known obviously because he's fought so many big names in the past and he's been in the, been in the game a heck of a long time so to keep the to keep the card alive i mean they needed to keep that big name on there didn't they yeah for sure yeah and well, uh what what did you make of it because i i thought i thought alex moreno looked fantastic uh i, th- I thought it was uh, yeah this moreno looks sick like he looked class yeah i agree with you there like Bro, he was he was he was really really good in the clinch. Like he's a he's a really good dirty boxer, and yeah. um, in the first round, like it, all of his punches, he looked like he all of his punches looked like they were locked and loaded, bro. Like he was ready to go and kill a man. And that's, um, that's his eleventh first round knockout, you know. Yeah, yeah, I remember looking at his record and seeing how many first round knockouts he had. And then thinking, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, no wonder this guy's putting power in his punches. Like he's used to, he's used to having his arm, his arm raised after about five minutes of fighting. So yeah, yeah, like the guy, yeah, he was class. Like the guy was class. Like and fair play to him for coming on on short notice as well. Because obviously, Cerrone was meant to be fighting Diego Sanchez, who got randomly cut from the UFC a week before the fight, which obviously we've covered or touched on briefly um, in a previous episode. But, a lot, a lot of weird stuff going on with that. Check out yeah, Twitter for that. There's some weird stuff going on with him and his coach, man. Yeah, I've seen some odd videos. Like. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what's happening with him, bro. Like, but like, if if what he's saying is true, then fair enough. But if what I'm saying, if what if what he's saying is not true, then I don't know for my guy. So I don't have a, I don't know for him, bro. But anyway, Cerrone, Evan. Everyone in MMA and UFC knows of Cerrone, absolute guy, absolute G. Most what well, most UFC wins, I think he's tied for the most finishes with Oliveira. Um, but yeah, I just think that I don't know. I think that Cerrone's drop. I think he's dropping out of the rankings because he's he's number fifteen ranked at the moment. Oh, um, was he still in the rankings? Yeah. Was, oh wow. Okay. And Moreno is not ranked. Um, so I think that Cerrone's definitely going to get unranked for sure. Um, and he is now on a four-loss win streak, if my memory serves me correct. He's on a four-loss win streak, which isn't looking too good for him now. Um, granted, granted, some of the guys he's fought has been, some of the guys he's fought have been like absolute killers. But I don't know. I just think that. I think I think Cerrone. I think yeah, I think he came out yesterday after the fight and said that he's not like he's not ready to like hang it up. Like he doesn't he doesn't want to end his legacy like this. Um, so I, I, I don't think that they're gonna cut him. Um, but I don't, I don't know I don't know for my guy now. I don't, I don't know for him. It's a hard one, isn't it? Because you want to see him go out on a good note, but at the same time, <laughs> both. 
both his coaches and the UFC have to look. They have to do it for all fighters. They have to make sure that they're obviously capable of continuing because it's such a such a high level they're fighting at. You know, you're fighting the best of the best, and whether whether it's actually um, you know beneficial to leave him in there. I mean, he's fought this guy on short notice. You you know, it's hard to say really how he would have come up against Diego Sanchez. You know, he's trained for him. Um, Maybe maybe you give him one more. I don't know, but yeah, it's not it's not looking good for him for sure. It's a difficult no, spot. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad as well because like Cerrone for Cerrone for Charles Oliveira ten years ago in August, um, and got a knockout of the night against him. Mm. Then Cerrone Cerrone then goes on to fight for the title um, sometime after versus RDA. Loses the fight against RDA, and then since since our title fight against RDA, he's gone on a win. Well, not a win streak. He's not a win streak, but he's gone on. A, he's gone on a record of eight wins and nine losses, with a no contest versus Nico Price. Because mm. Nico Price had tested for positive for marijuana, um, so that that loss was then overturned to a no contest. So yeah. And obviously, Oliveira is now fighting for the title and headlining them, you know, a UFC event, blah blah blah, or pay per view. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird seeing um, those two fighting, Cerrone getting the win, win, and then ten years later, where their careers are. Obviously, obviously they are are of different ages. So you've got to factor that factor that in as well. But I don't know. It's sad, man. It's sad. It's sad seeing Cerrone sort of you know on a four loss win on a four loss streak now um and kind of just getting battered to a pulp now um in his fights yeah and it and it was wasn't it it was you know it was obviously near the end of the first round and it just felt like he just got dominated for the five minutes and it was yeah just it wasn't really wasn't really nice to see i must admit but I i wish him the best whatever he does do and hopefully um you know they can come along for one. You can go out on a high at least down the line there. But we'll, yeah. we'll go on to the other um, the other knockout then, just just down the card a little bit. You had Gregor Gillespie who uh, um, won via ground and pound. Diego Ferreira. That was yeah. Uh, was was a good finish. You enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, this, this, this was a good fight as well, and I think that this fight meant a lot to Gillespie um, coming into the fight. Obviously, Gillespie, he had a massive hype train um, in his fight previously to this in November 2019. Obviously, fought, fought Kevin Lee, got absolutely knocked the heck out by Kevin Lee, mad head kick, knockout. Um, and just didn't didn't fight for what seemed like for ages after that fight. Um, obviously that fight was in November 2019, and here we are now in May 2021 for when Gillespie next fights. Um, and I think he he knew that he needed to get his hype train back on track, and the only way that you're going to do that really is with with a finish of some sort. And that's exactly what I got here. Um, in this fight, but one thing, one thing I will say, um, and then his credit, credit to both the fighters was 
after the first round was the first round for grappling fans. It was a really, it was a really, really good round with a lot of transitions, a lot of scrambles, a lot of high level transitions and high level scrambles. You know, not just your simple rolling around and this and that. Like it was, it it was it was kind of like a cat versus mouse sort of tactical um, first round and I think second round Gillespie just kind of just took control um, and was in control for pretty much most of the second round and got a finish. Which which he definitely definitely needed. Yeah, and he and he moves to fourteen and one with that, doesn't he? So like you say, he's been out for a while. It's good to return with a win. He'll only do himself favours moving forward, um, and hopefully he can get back in there sooner rather than later. Hopefully by the end of the year, you know, and and start picking back up where he left off before that loss to Kevin Lee. Um, which obviously was was such a brutal knockout. But just 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 to round up this card, then we got we got a couple more fights um, just down the bottom. So it was nine fights in all. Um, quick shout out to Mike Trezano, who won by unanimous decision against the odds against Ludovic Klein. Um, yeah. Good good victory. Yeah. Um, Solid victory. The, the the fight itself was very back and forward, but I think um, we spoke, didn't we, about the judges' scorecards, um, which links into this next fight against, uh, it was Junyong Park against Tan and Chukwi. Um, you know, these two fights, I just thought the scoring on these were just very, very uh, all over the shot. I couldn't, I couldn't make sense of them. Um the judges in the, in the in the earlier fights were just all over the place. It's like they it's like they're half asleep. Yeah, I I I I I don't know what fight, I don't know what fight those two judges were scoring, but I think this I, is I the park know, fight I, you're talking about now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. The park, the parking and Chuck with the fight for sure. But there was there was a few there was a few other uh, other fights. On on the card where you know the judges' scorecard was a bit suspicious and wow how, how they ooh, I, don't, I don't don't think I agree with that scoring sort of thing but this this fight in particular the uh, the Parker and Chucky fight like obviously and Chucky gets a point deducted um, for low blows I think he had I think he had two low blow low blows on um, Park. Both were yeah, but he was worn. He was worn quite quite hard straight away on the first one, wasn't he? And yeah. and the second one was <laughs> literally clean straight straight to him, really. So I'm not surprised he got the point deducted at all. Yeah, I think I think I think Herb Dean kind of had to. Um, actually, sorry, I don't, don't think it was Herb Dean. No. Herb Dean was in the uh, main event, but um, I think the referee the referee kind of had to give the or have to give the point deduction only because it was the second time and it was quite late on in the fights that the that the well the well that the first low blow even happened anyway so yeah you've got to factor you've got to factor the disadvantage that the fire who's had the low blow is is going to be out for the remainder of the fight anyway but um yeah I'd, the score the scoring on this fight was was all, was all over the place i think I think one fight scored the fight 30-25 in Park's favour, and then the other other judge scored the fight a 28-28 draw, um, which 
which is in, which is incredible. Right? It, it makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. But yeah, part 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 won the fight, obviously anyway. But like when you're looking at the fight and you look at the scoring, you, there's no way you're not awarding it to part. I just I couldn't fathom how they come to a draw decision there. That 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 ref, I just found it very odd. Makes, so it makes majority makes no decision, sense. wasn't it? Yeah. Makes no uh, sense how 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 they've makes no sense how they've got to that decision where two two judges are looking at the same fight and one scored it a 30-25 30-25 win and the other other judge scored it a 28-28 draw like I I I don't know but it is what it is isn't it but like take take I'm not I'm not trying to discredit Park's win obviously I I, I think that he deserved to win and he should have had the win. Um, and then Chuck Weaves was a bit unlucky with the low blows both times because both times were unintentional. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the rules of the game, and that's the game that he plays. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And that's, you know, in essence, probably his inexperience and lack of fighting experience cost him there. Um, no doubt they train for these things, but, you know, when you actually get in a real life situation, you're actually in, in the cage. Um, and something like that comes off, you know, it's, it's how you respond to it, isn't it? And ultimately, ultimately, and Chuck, we had to go for the win from that point. Um, and Park just controlled him from there out and, and saw out the fight. So a good a good win for Park there. Um, we just touched quickly upon um, the Anaconda choke in the first fight of, of the card in the prelims. Um that was that was a really really nice submission, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. It is nice to see a rare, a rare submission, and Anaconda and Anaconda is a nice submission to watch as well. Um, I think, I think for this one, I, I think for this one, I scored the fight. Um, I want to say I had a Carson Harris second round knockout. Um, which was completely wrong because it was a first round submission in the end. But yeah, it was it was a nice fight and it was it was a nice it was a good fight to kick off the card with for sure. Yeah, and I'd I'd recommend going and watching the submission because it's just it's just the way he gets himself into the position to complete the submission it was it was just very it was very good and like you say a great way to open up the card a card which we knew was shorter than the normal as well um the last fight we haven't covered on there was uh the middleweight clash of phil hawes against kyle dorcas yeah Dukas, um with phil hawes coming out unanimous decision winner there uh i messaged you about this fight didn't i because uh i watched the prelims and this fight uh kind of before clocking off and going to sleep and watching the rest of the card in the morning, but I thought Phil Hawes looked looked very very good. Yeah, one one thing one thing I will say about Phil Hawes is I think that I think that people don't realise how long he's been around. Yeah. Um, so like obviously he's been he lost in series four of Dana White's Contender series, um, and then went on a three fight win streak. Including fighting in Bellator, earned a UFC contract then in Series 32, 
of Dana White's contender series and now is on now is riding a or um, was on a 16 fight win streak going into this weekend um and yeah I think that I think that he I think he looked sharp he looked good you see what like I mentioned he was on a 16 fight uh, not six, 16 sorry six fight win streak going into this weekend now on a seven fight win streak um and now that streak goes back to 2019 so he's got a bit of got a bit of momentum behind him um and, and, he, and he is looking exciting he, he is looking exciting it is it, it was a good overall i say it was a good performance for phil halls um and he can go back go back to his training camp feeling pleased with himself because i definitely would have that performance yeah and, and dorcas looked like a tough customer didn't he to be fair like he um he didn't look like he was going to go out easy so you know it, it and it's another one of those where it's a decision win but actually, it's you know he he controlled the fight. He looked the better. He looked the better of the two guys throughout. And um, sometimes a sometimes a decision can be like discounted, or you didn't get a submission, or you didn't or you didn't get a knockout. But actually, in these in these 15 minute fights, it's quite important just to have that control and sometimes not throw yourself uh, at somebody too much that you're actually putting yourself at risk of that knockout. So yeah. Um, you know, to, to show that control throughout the fight for somebody who's renowned as well in Phil Hawes for going for the knockout, uh, I thought was very good. You know, I thought I thought he looked solid and 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 will definitely be in and around it in the middleweight division moving forward. Yeah, one 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 thing to know as well about Dorcas, um, you know, he's got ten wins, with eight of them coming by submission, so you kind of you kind of know what what he's bringing to the table and what stylistic matchup he brings. So you know that he's going to be looking to take the fight to the ground and you know he's going to be looking to grapple you and, you know, mitigate as much of that knockout power that Phil Holmes has um, as he can. So I think there was a, I think there was a point in the second round where um, Dorcas wobbles Holmes and I thought watching the fight live, well, not live because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't stay up. Um, but watching the fight the next morning, um, I thought the Hawes did well in the second rounds. Because um, I, I personally thought he was a goner. Like, I thought, nah, like, he's wobbled. He's on the cage. Like, I thought, nah, there's, there's no way he's making it through this. But, you know, he showed heart, made it to the end of the round, come, come, out, of the, come out of the break from the second round, enters the third round and just, just did his thing and, and smashed it. I think there was... I think there's a point in the third round when they're grappling on the grounds and I think um Hawes was wrestling Dorcas and there was there was this thing where Hawes kept putting his mouth um not his mouth sorry Hawes kept putting his hand over Dorcas's mouth while they were grappling and then with the other three hands he was using that to just eat up body shots on Dorcas which I thought was quite I thought was quite impressive and you know that they they little things that you're just gonna sort of pick up on as you spend more and more time in the octagon um so i just thought that i thought that dorcas was unlucky in the fight um i just think that phil Hawes was just sharper and and ultimately he proved he proved to be the victor and it was, it was like i mentioned before it was just a good performance all around for Hawes. yeah i completely agree and uh like you say there with the with the hand over mouth is something I picked up on as well and I just saw it's it's a fantastic way of controlling an opponent on the ground 
and taking obviously it's limiting how much obviously breath you can take in so he was obviously making it so difficult for Dorcas to be able to regain the strength to get back up to his feet which was just just again another example of how he showed control in the fight to win uh, against against a tough customer in Dorcas like you say who's, who's got so many submission finishes um, so to control a guy like that on the ground, as he did, just showed that he's got a range a range of skills that he can deploy in in, in any kind of fight. Yeah, I think I think overall the fight doesn't really do much for the rankings. Obviously, they're both they're both middleweight contenders or competitors, should I say? Um, neither of them's ranked at, at present. Not to say that. You know, they come come ranking refresh that they might they might be ranked. But I don't personally, I don't think he does much for the rankings as a whole. Um, and middleweight, you know, obviously we've had a few we've had a few middleweight bouts recently. Um, and on this card, on this card as a whole, obviously Dinchukwi and Park Fire and this fight is both at middleweight. I think that next week for the next for what two six two. We've also got a few more middleweight fights um, on the card as a whole. But obviously, we've got the, the Hamanson and Shabazian fight on the main card. Um, we've got the Jacare Souza and Muniz fight on the prelims. And then the Jordan Wright and Jamie Pickett fight on the early prelims. Now, for me personally, um, the two fights outside of the main card that kind of drew my attention, kind of, I'll definitely be keeping a close eye to. Um, are the two middleweight bouts I mentioned, the Jordan Wright on the Jordan Wright and Jamie Pickett on the prelims fight, on the prelim card, sorry, and then the Jacare and the Mooney's on the prelims cards. But I think for the Jordan Wright and the Jamie Pickett fight, um, obviously Jamie Pickett, both of these guys, both of these guys are both unranked, so straight off the bat they're both unranked, so that's fine. Jamie Pickett, he's recently just lost to, or most recently just lost to Nchukwi, who we just discussed in this, in um, beginning this episode, on this week's card, Fight Night card. But um, yeah, I think that I think that this Jamie Pickett and Jordan Wright fight is going to be, it'll definitely be an exciting fight to watch personally. I think um, both of these guys have got insane, insane knockout power, insane. They both look for the finish. Um, do you remember? Do you remember on Fight Island in the summer? Do you remember that spinning jump back kick by Joaquin Buckley? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I was on a few knockout of the knockout of the year videos last year, 2020, um, on Fight is in Fight Island where Joaquin Buckley throws a kick. For those who haven't seen, it anyway, Joaquin Buckley throws a kick, gets caught, and sort of does a jumping spinning back kick knockout. So that knockout was on Jordan Wright, who's fighting Jamie Pickett on the early prelims of 262 in a middleweight bout. Um, and I think that I think that this is going to be a really exciting fight. Jordan Wright, he's never gone to a decision. So all of his fights have been, all of his wins and all of his fights have been out of the judges' hands. And now Jamie Pickett, two of his 11 fights have gone to the judges' scorecards with the rest have all been finishes. Um, TKOs or submission finishes so I think that from this fight I think that what we can expect to see is Jamie Pickett applying pressure and walking down Jordan right early on in rounds um, and I think the Jordan will, will look to get a fight to the ground but 
that's not to say that he's going to be forcing it to get to the ground because this this fighter and this Jamie Pickett, he does look as though he can definitely um, stick it up with his feet and on the ground. So I think there will definitely, I don't think they will be going to judge the scorecards personally. And I've got a second round Jamie Pickett knockout, uh, Jamie Pickett knockout. But um, I think there's going to be an insane fight for sure. And there'll be a brilliant fight to end off the early prelims. You've sold me on that. I like <laughs> the sound of that. I didn't do too much research into this one, to be honest. You, you said you wanted to take it. And uh, I remember um, Jamie Pickett, wasn't it, from the Taffin and Chukwe fight. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, neither of those two fighters have had uh, much UFC experience. They've got a couple of fights each, haven't they? So it'll be interesting to see them go up against each other and see which one uh, makes a move up the middle division as a result of it. Um, but I think, I think from what you've said there and, and from what I know of the two fighters, whether it be quite limited, really, uh, I think I'd be back in Jamie Pickett myself um, at middleweight there. It's not, it's not one I've looked at the uh, at the odds for, so I actually know the favourite is. But um, I expect, um, like you say, if if it goes to the ground. Both, both fighters have capabilities to uh, to ride out uh, the the ground game as, as well as uh, trading on the feet. So it'll, it'll be a good fight, and hopefully one of them can get the finish there to make things a bit more interesting too. I think but that, that's... Uh, go on. I think that if any fight has the potential to have a 50k bonus... Um, I think it's going to be, I think, one of these two fighters. If if this fight doesn't get fight of the night bonus, I think that one of these one of these two fighters will get performance of the night. I'll, I'll contend you on that one, on, on one of the fights that I uh, tuned in for then or, or chose as uh, one to kind of focus in on for, for this episode. Uh, again, at middleweight, and you, and you mentioned it already, um, it's up on the main card, so it's Jack Hermanson against Edmund uh, Shabazian. This this fight to me, uh, it's just it just screams interesting UFC fight. It, it screams a great MMA bout. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you know a lot about Jack Hermanson. You know he's, he's European fighter, fights out yeah. of Norway. Um, He's he's been in and around the game quite a while now. Um, I think he's got 12 US 12 UFC fights. I think he was eight and four uh, when when I looked in there. And it, you know, the guys the guys he's fought and lost against um, are, are all quite recent to be fair. And uh, he lost to Thiago Santos uh, via knockout. Um, but obviously Thiago Santos at the time was a middleweight. And then he moved up uh, to light heavyweight. And he also lost to uh, Jared Cannonier, who, again, knocked him out, I think, via ground and pound. Uh, after that nice uppercut, I don't know if you remember that fight. Yeah, I think that was in um, that was in Europe, I think, that fight. Yeah, it was, yeah. But um, Cannonier is obviously renowned for his knockout power. Um, and that's obviously after he'd moved down from light heavyweight. So... You know, Jack Manson's fighting guys who have the power to be or have been at light heavyweight. You know, so uh, 
fighting guys and, and, and losing to them, sorry. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how he will move into this one against a guy, Edmund Shabazian, who looks like a young guy who was drafted into the UFC um, and he has that power for the knockout. You know, he's he's got a lot of one-shot stopping power, um, which, as I said before, um, Hermanson's obviously showed he can be quite open to being hit and wobbled by that. Um, he, did you watch the Vittori fight against Hermanson? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so that was obviously Hermanson's last fight now. So he's not been out that long. It's been, it's been about six months, I think. So um, it's probably about right, really, for, for how long you'd expect a fighter to wait. And he obviously lost to um, Marvin Vittori on unanimous decision. You see Vittori now moving up and challenging Adesanya for the belt, isn't he, again? so Yeah, because I think that was, I think that got a final night bonus. Yeah, that one did. So it, uh, yeah, it won fight of the night, and it was a great stand-up fight. I really enjoyed watching it back again uh, when I, when I was looking into this. And and Hermanson, he did he did really take quite a beating off the Tory, to be fair. But he he's got a great ground game, and going up against someone like Vittori, who also has a brilliant ground game. I guess they both they both um, you know warmed up in their camps and whatnot to to avoid that transition into the ground game and decided to keep it predominantly on the feet. Uh, whether that be sensible or not, I don't know. But uh, I think this fight here between these two guys, Hermanson, ranked number seven, taking on a guy in uh, Shabazian, as I say, who's 23 years old, by the way. Um, that's young. That's young for uh... yeah. Yes, so, so young for a UFC fighter. So young, and Hermanson has such good control on the ground. Uh, a lot of his finishes have come as a result of um, submission, and five of his six finishes have come in the first round in the UFC. So it's, it's you know it's important to note that he will look to finish off uh, Shabazian. And as I said previously, Shabazian's going to look to finish him uh, with with his power. So I can't see, I cannot see how this fight possibly gets to the full 15. Um, Shabazian previous um, to coming into the UFC was 7-0 and and they were all finishes in the first round. Yeah. So, you know, you can say he would have been teed up against it's lesser lesser known guys and things like that but he come through on a contender series um and he and he had a really nice finish on there from my memory um and his only loss on his record now was his last one against Derek Bronson and I watched this fight back as well and I just Derek Bronson is one of those fighters as a young guy you probably don't want to come up against because he has so much experience and he made him he did make him look like a boy you know in the octagon and he really did though and if you if you haven't if you haven't seen it back recently watch it back because Brunson just controlled him uh, all over and, and obviously ended up finishing him after after cutting him I think as well but 
my my key factor was Shabazian, and the reason why, and I really like Jack Hermanson, by the way, and I and I and I've enjoyed his movement across the European scene um, in yeah. the US. Yeah, sure. And he and he's a great guy to follow as well. He's he's quite a funny guy. I don't know if you if you listen to any of his interviews, but he's a, he's a really funny bloke. And um, but my one my one thing with Shabazian is he train he trains with Ronda Rousey, um, and he's managed by her and her old coach. Well, yeah, her ex coach, isn't it? She's obviously not fighting any longer. Um, so he fights out of Glendale Fighting Club, and he has trained there since he was ten years old, and trained directly with Ronda since he was fifteen. And I I just think for a fighter to have that experience behind him. You know, eight eight years training with Ronda Rousey, coming in, stepping up. He's he's number ten or eleven ranked in the division, and he's stepping up against another guy who's kind of um, you know aiming towards the top five of the division. I think he's going to have learnt a lot from that loss to Derek Brunson, um, and you know he's going to show that his conditioning isn't an issue uh which many people will say it will be because obviously he's finished so many in the first round i think he'll show that he can stand and trade with jack hermanson and if it does go to the ground that he's got enough to offer back as well um so as i say keep an eye out for this fight i really do think this is going to be a big one on this card what's your what's your prediction for for the bout i i I want to predict Shabazian to win via knockout. Interesting. Uh, but I do, I do think if it goes the distance, it would be Manson that wins it, just because of his UFC experience. Um, but I, I just think at, at the age of 23, you've obviously lost to Derek Brunson. You've taken your first loss in in your, in your career. You've got you've got to learn from that. You've got to come up. You've got to pick yourself up, and you've got to turn it back around. And why would you why would you then want to step in against a guy? And why would the UFC want to put you in against a guy like Jack Hermanson if if you're not capable of getting that victory and being in the top ends of the division? Um, I think I think well. that's it. And I think the UFC have seen a big opportunity here to have a guy who's up there challenging from a young age who could be a potential uh, champion or contender for the championship for a long time. Um, don't get me wrong, sometimes these things happen where these fighters go, they do pick up a loss and then it's two, three, four losses and then and then they fall away. Um, but this guy looks like a kid. Like I say, he's got fantastic experience and background with, with his training camp. Um, and he's got some really, really killer knockouts on his record. Go, go and watch if you haven't seen before the Brad Tavares knock, knockout that he had. Um, it was a head kick, and it, and it's just, oh, it's just wild. It's just a fantastic knockout. If you haven't seen that, go and watch it. It's brilliant. Uh, Brad Tavares as well, by the way, is is a, is a machine. Like that that guy stood and traded with Adesanya for five rounds. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's no easy guy to take out of the game so you know he's 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 got some he's not fought he's not fought many fights and he's not fought too many guys that are high up in the division but um you know he's got pedigree and i, and I, 
I've got a sneaking suspicion that he might be able to do it. And if we if we shift to the prelims cards, so obviously the the Hermanson and Shabazian fights on, I believe it is the third fight on the main card. Um, so just so just before the Ferguson and Dariush uh, co-main event. But if we shift back to the prelims cards, we've got another another middleweight fight that has previously been mentioned earlier on in the episode. And that is the uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza fight versus the Andre Muniz um, fight, which rounds off the prelim prelim cards, um, which I've picked out as well, as well as the Jamie Pickett and Jordan Wright fight as another fight to keep an eye on outside of the main cards. Because I, I think I think we can all be in agreement that the fights on the main cards they're interesting fights and they they're going to do interesting things for their respective divisions. Now the this Jacare fight, this Muniz fight, kind of, kind of like the Jamie Pickett and the Jordan Wright fight. I don't think, I don't think that it's going to do much in the grand scheme of things for the, for the rankings as such, um, for the middleweight rankings. Um, but I do think that, I do think there's going to be a very, very, very good fight. Obviously, this Andre Muniz is nine and one in his last ten fights, uh, and he's currently on a six-fight win streak. Jack Ray's on a three-loss streak going into the fight. Two, two of those have been decision losses. One of those is a split decision. So we're talking very fine margins here. Um, but taking that into consideration, I think Jack Ray's, I think Jack Ray's a slight favourite going into the fight. I think he's a minus, minus one to five favourite going into the fight. Now, I don't really have a clue about American betting odds, so don't I? I'm got a clue, but. I'm, Apparently he's a slight favourite, minus one two five. So if you know what that means, then amazing. But I haven't got a clue. Um, but anyway, I think that going into the fight, I think we're going to see a very very high level grappling match, which is going to be very extremely cagey. Obviously Jacare, brilliant brilliant grappler. Andre Muniz is also a very very good grappler with a lot of submission finishes in those last ten fights or those nine victories of those last ten fights. Sorry, but I do think that it's going to be a cagey fight, and I think that. It's going to be a fight where neither fighter is going to really going to be throwing out there and more so taking a step back and waiting for the fight to go to them. Um, so I do think, like I mentioned, I do think it is going to be a cagey fight and it's going to be a fight where whoever makes that first mistake probably will cost them the, cost them the results of the fight. But How, how yeah. old is Shaka right now? Um, Jacques Ray is I'm going to google that for you right now because I actually don't know off the top of my head but I know that he is he's got him in his 40s hasn't he he is 41 years of age Jesus man he's been around so long hasn't he yeah he's class so I'm, so I'm, long I'm a big Jacques Ray fan like, I, I, I do like I like I like Brazilian fighters I like the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu yeah. fighters um, and he like you mentioned obviously he's been around you chuck two of them in there together, it's even better. He's yeah, he's been around for years as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, obviously he's he's riding he's riding a three loss win streak at the moment, so it's not looking it's not looking great for him. Obviously, oh, between, whenever I whenever I think about him now, man, I just think of that Kevin Holland knockout. Ugh. Yeah, that was strong Kevin Holland from his Batman. Ugh. That yeah. was nasty. That was nasty, that knockout. 
think, yeah, that was, that, was an, that was an insane knockout. And that that was his return to middleweight after he had, now Jacare went on about now, but that's Jacare's return to middleweight, which was after he had gone up to light heavyweight to fight the now champion of the light heavyweight division in Jan Blachowicz, yeah. um, which was a split decision. Um, he fought well that fight, actually, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and that was that was in Brazil as well, which is a bit, which was a bit unlucky, because um, obviously, obviously, you would like to get the light heavyweight debut win in your home country, in front of your home crowd, but obviously, it just wasn't meant to be. Um, but I do think, granted, it's not going to do much for the rankings, um, and, and and in that sense, but I do think that it it, it will be an exciting fight, and if Andre Muniz can come out. Um, come out guns blazing and get get a dub and get the finish which personally I I think that Andrew Muniz is going to win the fight um, and that's just me purely guessing but I think that if Andrew Muniz can come out get a W and, 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 and win the fight it will set up a platform um, it will put him on a platform where he can get to the next stage and you know closing out He's closing out prelims, and the next thing you know, he's he's on the main card events, and then you know, next thing you know, he's on, he's on a co-main event or headline of the fight night. So I think that it will be, I think that Andre Muniz isn't, he isn't, he is not, he isn't not aware of the elevation that a win over Jacker can have for him, and I think that it will be an exciting fight, as well the Jordan Rice and Jamie Pickett fight. Yeah, he's he's got a lot to a lot more to offer the division. I would say over Jacare now, just with Jacare being at the tail end of his career. So in terms of a fighter moving forward, I, I would agree with you. He's he's got to um, he's got to really go out there and make a statement, doesn't he, against Jacare to move himself into into the uh, into the thinking of people's minds for that middleweight division, which which we 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 spoke about stack divisions, didn't we, before now, but. We didn't really mention the middleweight division too much, and I guess it's been really quite active at the minute. Um, obviously, we've covered quite a few fights there that are, you know, that are even below uh, the rankings of the middleweights. But there's a lot going on at middleweight, and you've got um, Izzy against Vittori coming up um, on the next pay-per-view event after this weekend. So there's a, there's a lot to keep your eye out for at middleweight, and I think. Um, you know, if, if Izzy retains a bout and decides he might go back up again, there could be an opportunity for somebody to step in there, um, potentially, you know, take the bout. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, how Izzy, will, Izzy will move forward if if he um, decides, you know, if he beats Vittori and decides that he doesn't, you know, want to continue fighting a middleweight and go back up to light heavyweight for the challenge again of, of Jan or Glover, whoever wins that fight. So... I'll um I'll round things off tonight after our kind of middleweight discussions there. Um, with the only Brit left on the card um, yeah. after Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz dropped out after us having quite lengthy discussions about that last week. Very uh, it seems that. to be the way. Yeah, but it is going to be moved to UFC 263, which is which, which is good. So that 263 card now looks absolutely fire um so I'm, I'm happy with that at least at least they've moved it and it's relatively soon but the uh fighter i'm referring to here that's on the prelims i believe 
um, is Mike Grundy. Uh, so Mike Grundy is a 34-year-old uh, English wrestler uh, from Wigan uh, who is now going into his third fight in the UFC. Uh, he's one and one currently, uh, which when when you look at it like that doesn't doesn't sound or look that great. Uh, but his overall record is 12 and two. So he's you know he's he's done well before coming into the UFC. Um, so he's he's certainly got a lot to show for himself. And he's coming up against uh, Lando Venata, who is a guy I think you're going to remember Lando Venata. Yeah, yeah. Tony Ferguson. Do you remember that fight? Yeah, yeah, I recognise Lando. That fight against Tony Ferguson was absolute fire, honestly. I watched it back. It's it's gone on YouTube as one of the uh, free fights for the two six two card. Yeah, you know, just load up a load of fights and whatnot. And obviously with Tony fighting on this card and and Venata, I, I presume that's why they've put this on there. But um. That that fight he fought against Tony, he he stood in on short notice, and it was about two weeks' notice, and he and he just he just traded with Tony Ferguson like, like a madman. Uh, he t- he took the fight to him, he kept stepping up to him, um, and and he, and he he didn't allow Ferguson to settle into the fight, and obviously Ferguson was a massive massive favourite. You've got this guy just stepping in um, on very short notice. And, t- and Tony Ferguson, it was around, I think it was around the time Tony was supposed to fight Khabib. It might not have been that exact fight. It was around that era, kind of 2016 kind of time, I think. Yeah. And, well, I say when Tony was supposed to fight Khabib, that, yeah, several times. But uh, <clears throat> I, I just, watching it back, I think Tony got knocked down in the first round. And this Lando Venata, you know, it's, it's a guy no one had really heard of before. Um so you, you you look at it and you think, oh, this guy's stepping in there. He's, he's bold enough to take it to Tony Ferguson. And then I watched a few of his other fights, and he seems to do that an awful lot. He's very he's very offensively minded. He's looking to step up uh, onto a counter uh, from from the opposition, um, which which doesn't look like it's done him too well throughout his UFC career. Uh, he's had moments in fights where he's looked like he's going to take it, but He's only won three of his ten UFC fights, um, yeah. which is obviously not great at all. Um, two two of them were draws, um, admittedly. But he's you know he come into the UFC. I think he was eight and zero when he come in. So you know he's taken five losses and, and two draws in that time. And obviously that 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 loss against Tony is one that he'll probably hold as a career highlight down the line. That was that was at lightweight, and this fight against uh, Mike Grundy is going to be at featherweight. It's going to be his first time down at featherweight. Interesting. Um, so it's, he's only 29 years old. He's, he's been in the UFC a while. Um, I don't see his direction if he doesn't beat Mike Grundy, so it's an important fight for him. Um, I like the look of Venata. Um, but he is he is a very very rogue fighter. Um, he's not tamed down an awful lot since that fight with Ferguson either. And Grundy, as I said, is an is an English wrestler. Um, 
he won his first UFC fight on his debut uh, at UFC London, that, that fight where Till lost to Masvidal. Um, shared a training camp with Darren Till. Um, obviously, get along probably quite well, both being from the UK and there not being an awful lot of English fighters, uh, particularly at that time, uh, on the UFC roster. But Grundy's loss uh, came last time out against uh, Movsar Ivalev, is it? At featherweight? Rus- Russian chap. He's Fair. 40. Uh, Movsar Ivalev, I think his name is. Um, I, I'm not going to cap, bro. I haven't got a clue. Yeah. Well, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a relatively young Russian fighter. Um and I I will send you a link. I'll send you a link to their fight after this. Um, it is one of the best escapes from a Darce choke I've ever seen. Grundy, Grundy has him so clean in this Darce choke. And uh, the guy who's fighting, Ivalev, j- just manages to kick away uh, at the hip of Grundy. Uh, to get enough space to spin out of this dash show, it was it was incredible to watch. It's a brilliant, brilliant fight as well. Um, but I don't think Grundy can take an awful lot from that loss in terms of the fact he fought a guy who's very, very talented, um, and is you know he's fourteen and over for a reason. He, he, you know he's beaten everyone he comes up against. Yeah. I I in this fight, obviously. Um, Benat has got more UFC experience being at lightweight, um, which could put him in good stead. But because of his wildness and his kind of rogueness in his fighting, uh, I'm going to back the Englishman, Mike Grundy, to do the business. Yeah, I think you kind of have to, really. That's um, one of your boys. Well, that's it. And, and like I say, I like the wrestling aspect of the sport and... He, he likes a submission as well. He's got he's got submissions on his record, and and I think he can offer a lot more if this fight goes down a couple of different avenues. Whereas I think uh, Vanata would really struggle if it went to the ground, uh, which for me would give Mark Grundy the upper hand uh, in, in this one. So one one to keep an eye out for, and we, and we back the English lads all the way. So. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We've got, I think, think you've definitely, you've definitely said it right in the sense of there's not that many Brits, um, or at least that many Brits that are actively competing and you know, on 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 pay-per-views and on fight night cards and you know even on early prelims and prelims. Um, so I think that when when there is a Brit that is on the cards, you. You, you, you do have to support them. You do have to get behind them. And I think that I think that we both both will be when uh, Leon Edwards eventually does step in the octagon to dance with Nate. Even though I think we both are big, we both are big Diaz brothers. Um, I think that we both will be supporting our boy Rocky. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that two six two two six two is going to be. I think we're in for a treat for two six two for sure. Obviously, I'm a bit. Bit bit disappointed that the Edwards and the Yaz fight's been pushed back, but like I mentioned, it's only been pushed back to two six three, so it, it could have been worse. It could have been cancelled or or scrapped or you know pushed back even further. But 
the rest of the card that we've got for next weekend is definitely going to be a killer and something that I think that we, me and you are both excited for personally. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Another pay-per-view card, um, another great set of set of fights. There's 13 fights on this card, which when you compare it to the fight night we've just had of, of nine fights, um, we're certainly going to enjoy the extra fights, I think. And obviously you've got the uh, title fight on there as well, which which should be should be good fun. Um, and I'm back in Charles Oliveira all the way there, so hopefully the Brazilian can take it home. Uh, nothing against Michael Chandler, just just really like Charles Oliveira and his journey and, and his win streak. So hopefully yeah. he can do do the business on the night. And uh, I think I think that's us really. I think I think we've covered covered everything we needed to on on the episode so all all that's left really is to say thank you guys for tuning in sticking with us to the end if if you're here still and uh we'll catch you on the next episode one thing i will say before we do um before we do wrap up the episode is we have an international listener in the czech republic i want to say shout out to our fans in the czech republic we're going international um so that is exciting news but um, not yeah, whoever, whoever you are, man, if you're uh, from anywhere, just drop just drop us a message on Instagram. We'd love to uh, talk on the podcast, uh, particularly you know listeners from abroad. If you if you've got any tips or you want to hear anything in particular on the podcast, let us know and we'll uh, we'll be more than happy to uh, hear your voice. But yeah, nice one, guys. Thank you for everyone that's listening, especially those who have reached this part of the video or episode, should I say? But um, nice one, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, take care, guys. Cheers.